good morning, everybody. Hope you are all doing okay. Weren't those stories amazing? And I'd just like to add a little bit to that, if I may. Um, we, it would not be possible to stream without that gift that we were given, but also without the tireless work that has been put in week in, week out by our stream team. So I just, yeah, so in, your, in the room, online, get your emoji game ready. Let's just give them a big round of applause. They are just amazing. Week in, week out, the amount of work that they've put in coming here in the weeks, uh, in, the, in the week, they're off, most of them got like full-time jobs as well. Like they're coming here in the evenings, working late, rigging and wiring and all sorts. So yeah, they're amazing. We thank you. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Kat. I'm one of the pastors here at Ashford Vineyard. We are continuing our life coaching series this morning. So on your screens now, you should see life coach Larry cheering you on there to uh, live life to the full. And this is a series that is going to be continuing into the spring of next year with a little break for the Christmas period. And the plan in this series is to go through a number of different practices and habits and rhythms that we can put into our lives in order to live life to the fullest that God wants for us. And so far, we've gone through about five of these now. So, um, oh, it'd be handy if I turned this on. Here we go. Here we are. So they'll show on your screen as the grayed out one. So we've talked about cost, dealing with your past, thoughts, silence and solitude, and meeting together. And today, I am talking to you about the topic of forgiveness. So a nice light one for you this morning. Um, So do you know what? Before I get into it, I think it'd be great just if we just took a moment and pray. Um, So right where you're at, if you want to stand, you're very welcome to stand. Or if you want to put a hand on your heart, I'm just going to invite the Lord to come and prepare us. Father, this topic is not an easy one. And even just that word, forgiveness, can lead us sometimes to be in almost like a braced position. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and soften our hearts. We open our ears to hear where you want to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it would be fair to say that uh, we are living in times where, on a big picture level, society is becoming increasingly polarized and divided, where it's become so difficult to have a healthy disagreement or debate with someone without just automatically writing them off as a person or shunning or shaming a person for doing or saying something wrong or upsetting us or offending us. This has gone to the extreme. We see it uh, happening right now in cancel culture. Racism and prejudice is still seen and voiced in every corner of society. Families and marriages are breaking apart. Injustice and abuse and mistreatment are exposed within institutions on national television. And during this year particularly, dealing with COVID, 
we have seen so much blame landed at the doors of those with national and regional responsibility, where the phrase, I blame Boris, is banded about for postponed family get-togethers or cancelled holidays, businesses closing, social and health support systems maxed out. And equally, if not more so, we have a pandemic of poor mental health, where anxiety and depression and stress are rife and at the doors of so many we know and love throughout our communities and in the church as well. And you close that in on a smaller picture where increasingly our bodies can end up going into fight or flight mode at the slightest disagreement or poorly worded comment, where our day can be so impacted when someone cuts us up at the traffic lights or a kid in your child's class is mean or bullying your child where a relative can make a passing comment about how you look, or your best friend forgets your birthday, or maybe your partner hasn't done the dishes for the third night running. Oh, oh. That, that, that wasn't a slight dig, by the way. Just a, <laughs> um, but in all of these things, from the macro big picture to the micro smaller picture of our individual day-to-day lives, What role does forgiveness play in forming us into healthier people and healthier communities? So to start, we're going to look at what forgiveness is. So I'm just going to bring up our next slide. Psychologists define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or a group who have harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. And studies out of the John Hopkins Hospital have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge benefits for your health. It can lower the risk of heart attack. It can improve your cholesterol levels and your quality of sleep. It can reduce pain, your blood pressure, and levels of anxiety and depression and stress. And further research has even showed that forgiveness helps you age well with fewer health complications. So it seems that forgiveness is a really good way of keeping you young. Or as I read this week in an article in a newspaper, apparently hot chilies as well. I'm not really sure which one is more or less painful. Um, Dr. Karen Swartz, who heads up the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at the John Hopkins, says this. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into fight-or-flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved mental health. Well, that sounds amazing, but let's be real here. Forgiving someone who has hurt or mistreated you or offended you can be incredibly hard. And it's definitely easier for some more than others. Some people are just naturally more laid back, less easily offended, can just let go of stuff quicker. But as Dr. Swartz said, the emotional and physical toll on your body and your mind when someone has hurt you can be so significant and trying to separate out the reality of your inner pain from resentment or a desire for retribution or even justice can be extremely difficult. 
So why would Jesus expect us to forgive those who have hurt us or said something wrong or treated us so badly? Surely that is just too much to ask in so many scenarios. And I think one of the things that we need to start with is ourselves and why we need forgiveness. So why do we need forgiveness? To answer this, we can go all the way back to the beginning to Adam and Eve. This was, quite frankly, the, the best picture I could find online of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Like, a lot of inappropriate nudity. Um, but it looks like Eve managed to get in uh, a manicure before lockdown too. So, good for her. <laughs> um, Adam and Eve were living in beautiful, perfect relationship with God. They were walking with him. They were walking by his side in the Garden of Eden. They were trusted rulers of his creation and created in God's own likeness. But then the enemy, the devil, disguised as a snake, managed to convince them that God wasn't as good as they thought he was and that actually he was keeping something amazing back from them that they should have. So doubt over God's goodness and mistrust landed They ate the fruit of the tree, not necessarily an apple, uh, and uh, they ate that fruit that God said shouldn't be eaten because he knew that it wouldn't be good for them, and sin entered the world. Now, let's just pause there for a second because I think often any time this word sin is used, it can often land in us with a bit of a... And uh, it's so much easier, isn't it, to talk about love and kindness and compassion in church, but mentioning sin can often... Uh, tend to make us take a sudden interest in the tops of our shoes. (laughs) So let's just talk about what sin actually is for a minute. In the original languages used in the Bible, both are predominantly Greek and Hebrew, the words used for sin in both refer to missing the mark. The Hebrew word for sin, which is hatter, originated in archery and literally refers to missing the gold at the center of the target, but still hitting the target. So to sin against God is to miss the mark of living up to God's best way of living and falling short of that. That's what Paul means uh, when he says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we need forgiveness because sin exists. Transgressions, the act of sinning against God or sinning against others, exists. And because the consequence of sin was the death penalty as prescribed by the law, there was never any way that we could work to measure up to God's standard of goodness and holiness. So God, in his extravagant and outrageous love, sent his son Jesus as a man to be fully alive in God's best original design of how he made us to be, always hitting the gold. The Bible describes Jesus as a perfect sacrifice to pay that penalty freely and in full so that we could be forgiven and restored again to live in a beautiful, close-walking relationship with God. John 10.10 says, I have come so that they, that's you, may have life and have it to all its fullness. Forgiveness is one of the centerpieces of the gospel, the good news. 
the message translation of uh, Romans 5, verse 18 to 21, sums it up beautifully. It's going to come up on your screens now. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers, but sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, that's Jesus, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. Aggressive forgiveness. Isn't that incredible? None of this Jesus meek and mild stuff. He went to the cross in your place as an act of, of aggressive forgiveness for everything that you have ever done wrong in your life and will do in your life. God's grace is enough. So, I'm going to move on to our next slide. Why do we need to forgive others? I think it's important to mention here what forgiveness isn't. Uh, I think we can often get ourselves into a bit of a pickle over this. Um, the pain that we can often feel after being mistreated can then leave us with such a sense of indignance that surely if I forgive them, it completely invalidates what they've done or means that they've gotten away with it. Forgiveness doesn't make the way that you have been hurt or mistreated okay or acceptable. Forgiveness's most predominant impact is upon you and upon your, own, your whole health. And often part of the forgiveness process with God involves giving up the need for retribution and trusting that to God. And secondly, forgiveness is a process that is based upon you and ideally upon your relationship with God, and it's not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation is a process that goes beyond forgiveness to see both you and the person who has mistreated you or hurt you working together to restore broken relationship. Several years ago, I was at a worship retreat and um, we had had a session and we kind of broken out into some prayer ministry and I uh, went and prayed for a lady um, who, uh, she told me she'd been struggling with a skin condition where she had painful sores and like boils appearing on her skin. She was constantly uncomfortable and in a lot of pain, and she was miserable about it. And this had been going on for about 18 months. So we started to pray, and I started to thank God that you know, he loved her and wanted her to be well, which of course he does, you know, it's a good place to start. And then I paused because I had a question come into my mind that I thought, oh, I think I might need to ask that, maybe that's God. So this question that I asked her was, when this first started 18 months ago, what was happening in your life at the time? And after a moment of kind of looking at me with a bit of a, oh, 
She then told me that she had found out that her mum had been lying to her her whole life about not knowing who her biological dad was. She had been left feeling so angry, so hurt, so disappointed that she'd never, she'd kind of gone through her entire life never having been given the opportunity of knowing her biological dad. And that anger had settled into deep bitterness inside of her towards her mum for denying her that. And the skin condition began to flare up within weeks of that happening. Anyway, long story short, we kind of talked about forgiveness and um, it was all very emotional, as I'm sure you could imagine. She decided in that moment that she was ready to make the decision to forgive her mum, which is huge, huge. So we prayed together, um, for, uh, and I, when we prayed together for that, and we also then prayed for complete healing. And uh, there was no immediate change, so we kind of did our, oh, nice to meet you, and then like went our separate ways. And I think it was about a year or so later, again at another retreat, um, where I just walked into the room, into a room, and uh, she was sitting on the far side and stood up and waved to me, and I went over and said hello, and. She said to me, Kat, do you remember me? You prayed for me that that skin condition and my relationship uh, with my mum. Well, my skin has completely cleared up. I haven't had any trouble since. And even more than that, my mum and I have come such a long way in, re- in rebuilding our relationship, and we are just getting closer and closer. It was just, oh, such a joy. Such a joy. I don't know if you've heard of this phrase, bitterness is the poison you drink hoping the other person is going to drop dead. Whew! Yeah. Now, the story of my friend is maybe a little on the more extreme end, but you can see the impact bitterness and unforgiveness had on her. Bitterness is a poison. It will start corroding our bodies and our minds the longer it is left in our systems, impacting our thoughts, our moods, our physical bodies. And if we can't work through our bitterness and let it go through forgiveness, the person who has hurt you intentionally or otherwise will keep on winning. The only way that we can forgive is to have the emotional humility and affirmation that comes from the gospel that in Jesus, you are forgiven and you are a child of God. Jesus has uh, quite a bit to say about forgiveness in the Gospels, so we're just going to take a quick look at something he said that uh, is pretty hard-hitting. It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. This is the Passion Translation. And whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. But if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your father in heaven to release you from your misdeeds. Ouch, right? I think you can view that passage through two different lenses. You could view it through one lens where you could see that God is just being narky and vindictive. We've all done it right, gone for the tit-for-tat approach. 
Or you could see it through a second, completely different lens, where God is essentially saying, I have forgiven you of so much, taken onto myself the hefty consequences of where your thoughts and your words and your actions have failed to hit the mark, and I've shown you what that looks like. Now go do that. C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. Where may our pride be getting in the way of forgiving others like God has forgiven us? That's a hard question to ask. Okay, so you've told me why I need forgiveness, or I've told you rather why I need forgi- why you need forgiveness, why I need forgiveness, why I need to forgive because I've been forgiven. I could hear some of you thinking or even saying, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what the pain feels like. This is just too hard. How do I even forget? How do I even begin? How do I actually go about forgiving the person who has hurt me? And I've got three things to say about this. My first one is this. Connect with trust. Jesus is a man to be trusted. There's a story in uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, in chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. It won't come up on your screen, so I'm just going to kind of very quickly just tell you the story. Some of you may know it already. So Jesus is teaching in a house. Uh, The house is completely rammed, and four uh, friends carrying a guy on a, well, I'd say a stretcher, like probably a rug, um, trying to get this guy into the house because he's completely paralyzed and they want Jesus to heal him. They can't get him into the house. They take him up onto the roof. They basically dig a hole through the roof and lower him right down into the room in front of Jesus. And Mark says that Jesus looks at those friends and then looks at the man and and says to him, first thing he says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now, there are a whole bunch of teachers of the law in that room as well. And, uh, and Mark says that the, the teachers of the law are thinking to themselves, How, who is this guy? Who is, he, who is he that he thinks that he's got the power to forgive sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus turns to them. And Mark says, because he knew the thoughts in their heart and said to them, I... Just so you know, I've got the power to forgive sins as well as heal, because actually, which, is, which one is better? I'm going to do both. And then he turns to the man and says, um, pick up your bed, get up and walk. And there are a couple of things that I've noticed in that passage. The first thing is that that paralyzed man, he, didn't, he never asked Jesus verbally to forgive him. He didn't say anything from what Mark has written And neither did the teachers of the law verbally express their thoughts. Yet Jesus, because he's fully God as well as fully man, he knew what they were thinking. I love how uh, Tim Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City, um, he unpacks this and says, I think that Jesus knew what that paralyzed man was thinking. What if in that moment Jesus saw and knew his desire to be made whole, to be forgiven? And just how kind he is in this moment where he didn't wait for him to ask nicely. 
He didn't wait for him to say please. He met him tenderly in that moment and answered the longing of his heart. That would be so like him, wouldn't it? What if Jesus' command throughout the Gospels to forgive those who have sinned against us as we have been forgiven is because he knows the costly impact on our emotional, mental, physical and spiritual health and in his kindness and in his love for us, he's setting us up with this instruction so that we can be whole. This isn't about moral behavior for the sake of moral behavior. This is about a God who knows us inside out, who knows and wants the very best for us. He can be trusted with your mild annoyance through to your anger, your bitterness, your offense, your rage, and your brokenness. Second thing I want to talk about is this, connecting with healthy emotions. And what I mean by this is, so often we think that anger is wrong, that it's bad. But the Bible is very clear that anger is a good emotion. God gets angry. We have been made in the image of God, so emotions are from him. Super church planter Paul writes in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry. There's a direct command there. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger can be described as energy aroused in defense of something and released against something that is evil. It's a good thing. And Paul is saying, don't then hold on to it and feed it and nurture it. We can often do this, I think, in two ways. And one of the first ways we can do this is trying to control our anger and suppress it or even deny it. I'm just going to bring up a picture for you on your screens. Everyone remember this? I'm fine. Ross Geller on Friends. He's a brilliant example of this. When he finds out that Monica and Chandler are together and he's so angry, but when everyone keeps asking him, are you okay? He answers, I'm fine. Love it. Or we can go the other way, and we can completely blow up, which then tears other people up. Again, Ross is brilliant for this. Anyone remember, you ate my sandwich. (laughs) So Paul, commanding us to be angry, and then saying, and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let your anger fester into bitterness. You may be right to be angry. Your anger may be completely justified. But your bitterness will keep holding somebody to account for what they've done to you and continually hope that something bad happens to them. That's why karma is so attractive in our culture, right? That concept that if somebody does something bad to you, that it's going to catch up with them eventually. But again, it just imprisons you. Your bitterness won't ever be satisfied, and it's not how God works. Jesus forgave us with an aggressive forgiveness all the while. We should have got what we deserved. Leave that person to God. Vengeance is mine, God says in the book of Deuteronomy. So connect with your healthy, God-given emotions. Name them. Ask God to help your heart soften towards working through them and move towards forgiveness. This is really hard. 
This is like a proper help me God prayer moment. But it's a choice. It is a choice. It takes time. It most often doesn't happen overnight and can be a really gradual process, but it does start with our choice, our decision. Don't put up with bitterness in your life. Maybe you need to get together with a trusted friend to talk or pray through your pain. Maybe you need to book in with a therapist or a counsellor to help you process through some of that stuff. And lastly, I'm coming into land now, connect with who God says you are. Earlier in Ephesians given us, be made new in the attitude of your mind. If you have given your yes to Jesus, then this looks like engaging with who God says you are. You are a child of God, loved with a love that will never run out. You are the apple of his eye. You are forgiven and set free. You are worthy and full of purpose. You are created in his image and made one together with Jesus. This is who you are. And Paul says, put this on. The language there of putting off and putting on is actually better translated as throw it off. Throw it on. There's something active and intentional here. That when you actively connect with throwing on who God says you are, it then becomes possible to, as Paul says at the end of Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you because you are aligning with your new identity in Jesus and seeing the other person as God sees them. Keep putting on your new identity that Jesus has given you. Remind yourself of the truths of who he says you are. Throw off everything that contradicts your identity as a precious child of God. We're going to pray as we finish. So maybe I just invite you to stand up, stretch, shake it out. Maybe you are tuning in either via our live stream or our podcast and you've been listening to this and you don't know the life-changing reality of living a life fully forgiven, fully known, fully loved and free. Maybe you want to know what it's like to live life in a completely different way with a God who knows you and who sees you and who wipes the slate completely clean for you and gives you a new identity. If you want to say yes to Jesus, to that clean slate and a future living in a new identity where you are radically loved, where you are worthy, where you are filled with purpose, then today is a really, really good day to do that. So if that's you, right where you are now, I just invite you to pray with me. Jesus, I am giving you my yes. I invite you into my life to forgive me where I have kept missing the mark of your very best for my life. Give me a new identity where I know deep, deep down in the core of who I am that I am a child of God, that I am radically loved, that I am chosen by you and that I am fully accepted. Would you come and make me come alive? If that's you and you've just said your yes to Jesus, then do let us know in the comments 
or head over to church online, click the button. One of our team would love to pray for you. Let's just pray quickly to wrap up. Father God, we all come to you now and confess that so often we fail to throw off the mentality of our old identity, the one that we wore before you came and changed our lives. And Father, we choose to throw on now the identity that Jesus has claimed for us and lean into everything that you say that we are. Would you give us the grace to walk in the way of forgiveness? Would you give us the grace to fully trust you, Jesus, and to look to you, the one who has forgiven us for so much? Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.